0: Good morning everyone, and uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you Ken this morning, and Raf, and uh, we, uh, we were expecting a few people here this morning, uh, but that's changed. Unfortunately we're back to, uh, five people in a room again, so we're gonna have to put up with that for a little while. But I wanna ask, I wanna start off with a question this morning. I wanna ask you, where is your heart? David was a man after God's own heart. David is one of the most prominent of Bible characters and the famous ancestor of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, Jesus is not referred to the son of Abraham or the son of Jacob, but the son of David. He was divinely chosen as king to succeed Saul and was quietly anointed by the prophet Samuel. He was divinely chosen as king to succeed Saul and quietly anointed by the the prophet Samuel and also anointed by the tribe of Judah and as they recognised him because he was chosen by God. And at the death of Ish-bosheth, who was the son of Saul, David conquers Jerusalem and becomes king of Israel. David is Israel's greatest king and a man after God's own heart. His life is filled with all the ups and downs that we may face today. But we also discover a man that despite his failures, his inconsistencies and a life of constant pressure, he trusted God. He was faithful to him and he lived differently. Can we say the same about ourselves this morning? Can we say that we're a person after God's own heart? Do we desire to be in the will of God and be guided by his every step? As we skim through the life of David this morning, we will see his godly character and the way he responds to specific situations. David is a shepherd displaying great courage in caring for his father's flock. He builds up the skill to pursue and rescue in protecting his father's sheep but he knows that his reliance is, and his deliverance comes from the Lord the skills and the talents we have are a gift from God and they are best used for his purpose to bring glory to his name David becomes a champion soldier when he slays Goliath the giant Philistine resulting in a victory for the people of Israel You know, when we think of uh, David's confrontation with Goliath, it's really a little bit of a mismatch, isn't it? Um, That there's no doubt there is divine intervention. David knew that the skills and courage that he'd been given and his reliance on God for protection were enough to defeat his enemy. I don't know if you've ever been bullied before in your life. Um, I experienced it only once in mine. And it took me eight months of prayer and relying on God and waiting for His timing to build up the courage to speak up. I must add that my reason for speaking up was not only for me who was being belittled, but this guy was actually taunting others in the organisation. After much prayer, a point of of confrontation came. It basically saw this guy and me come toe to toe. If he had to hit me, he would have knocked me out. <clears throat> Fortunately, that didn't happen. But this was time to take decisive action. This was a time to act. I went straight to the manager and I entered his office and I closed the door behind me. After expressing some strong feelings for myself and on behalf of others, The manager decided to have a chat to this guy. Needless to say that he never spoke to me for three months and the provoking stopped. David's motive was not about the reward that King Saul was offering for slaying Goliath, which did include great wealth, exemption of taxes and the king's daughter. David's motive was to wipe off Israel's disgrace in the face of the Philistines. David was seeing the battle from God's eyes. He was seeing his God being defied and he had the courage to stand up against the Philistines and do something about it. You know, we're encouraged by his words in Psalm 23 verse 4 when we're in situations like this. He writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me ask you, what challenges are you facing today? What might you be confronted with, perhaps at work, at school, in the home? Is it a hopeless situation? Or is it an opportunity to trust in God and be comforted by his staff? David has a reputation to be a fine musician that he plays before the king. You know, even in the face of danger, David volunteers his services to soothe the anguish of the king. We're not sure why mental illness afflicts some people, but God calls us to extend love and comfort. To those who are hurting. Remember, David had been chosen by God through Samuel the prophet, not because of his outward appearance, but because of his heart. A heart for God is the preparation to be in God's service. You know, it's not our impressive resumes that makes us useful for God. David humbly served Saul. While he awaits God's timing, whatever ambitions David had, he put them aside, wholeheartedly serving Saul and waiting for God. He, here we see the importance of cultivating a heart for God, having patience, self-control and tolerance. You know, when I finished my studies at the Bible College of Victoria, as it was then known, My ambition was to serve God in the outback. But God had other plans for me. David begins a lifelong friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. Their friendship endured even when it's clear that David is to replace him as successor to his father's throne. David becomes popular, which makes Saul jealous to the extent that he makes several attempts on his life. But David shows kindness, generosity and and in sparing Saul's life twice. An elderly lady has gone shopping and she's about to drive her Porsche Cayenne into a parking bay when a young man zips in with his sports convertible. He gets out of the car. She winds down her window and yells at him, Who do you think you are? The young man replies, I'm young and I'm quick, and walked into the shops. When he returned to his car, he found that the elderly lady was ramming her Porsche into his sports car. That'd be terrible, I reckon. Horrified, he screamed at her, Lady, what what are you doing? And who do you think you are? She replied, I'm old, I'm rich, And I'm getting even. When we get hurt, we are tempted to get even. We want revenge, don't we? Many of us think that revenge is sweet. But is it really? You know, as God's people, vengeance must be left with God. And only then do we really experience justice and blessing and a peace that surpasses understanding. You know, if there was anyone that had the right to take revenge, it was David. Saul continues to pursue David, causing him to flee and live on the run like a fugitive. On one occasion, Saul must answer the call of nature. Of all the caves, he chooses the one where David and his men are hiding. Coincidence? Not at all. Our greatest test of character comes at times like this, when our enemy is at their most vulnerable. But here is the temptation by David's men. They say to him, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. I'm not sure about you guys, and I'm not sure about anyone, but I check scripture, and there is nowhere in scripture where God says that to David. Sometimes the unspiritual voice of the flesh can sound very convincing. but Peer pressure comes into it. David arose, however, and secretly cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Instead of rejoicing, David is filled and overcome with guilt in showing contempt for his king. We need to understand that even touching the king's clothing was considered disrespectful. And it may also be today. David didn't do all the wrong he could have done, but he had done something wrong. And as he leaves, David is overcome with such guilt that he calls out to Saul, my Lord, the king, bowing down with his face to the ground. It's here that Saul realises that David is righteous and that he will be the next king. Despite David's suffering through some great distress and danger, he did not retaliate. How can we show humbleness like David? How can we leave revenge to the Lord? The apostle Paul encourages us, in these words from Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, he says, "Do not repay anyone evil for evil." Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. And further down, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do we put these words into practice? Well, firstly, we have to expect that we're going to be mistreated. Why? Because we're all sinners. None of us are always going to do the right thing and there are some that are not even going to try and do what is right. Some will try and make our life difficult. Those people are probably better avoided. Have you been harmed by someone? Maybe someone has failed you just when you needed them the most. Unfortunately, many people are going to let us down. We shouldn't be surprised. We have to expect it. Where were Jesus' disciples at his time of need? Secondly, when we have been hurt, we'll be tempted to retaliate. But it's here we must stop. We must stop and bring it to the Lord in prayer. The Lord experienced temptation, so he knows exactly how you feel. Taking revenge only escalates into a cycle of evil. This is why it's important to take it to the Lord. And thirdly, you must leave the matter in God's hands and allow him to be the judge. Just as David did when he said to Saul, as found in 1 Samuel chapter 24, he said, "'May the Lord be our judge,' And decide between us, you know Jesus gives us an enormous challenge to love our enemies, and by doing so, we can overcome evil with good. We were reminded by Josh and Andy from our studies in First Peter how Jesus suffered for us at the hands of his enemies. Jesus was insulted, he was beaten. He was abused. He was mistreated. And like I think Raf said earlier, for doing nothing wrong. But he left retaliation and vengeance in the hands of God. So if you do suffer for doing good and you endure it, it is commendable before God. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow on another occasion David spares Saul's life again when he enters Saul's camp and takes away his spear and water jug while Saul was sleeping here we see David's character of love kindness and forgiveness now David goes on to achieve great military victories and expands the kingdom We read that he would spend time in prayer, for he trusted God for deliverance. How often do we pray for guidance in our time or our battles of, sorry, during our time of difficulty or our battles of life? After Saul and Jonathan died, David dedicates a lament to pay respect for them. He's the enemy, remember? But he showed no bitterness. He captures and establishes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and wants to bring back the ark back to Jerusalem. He has two attempts at this because he fails the first time. He gets it wrong. He gets it wrong because he was disobedient. He didn't do it God's way. He tried to do it his own way. David wants to build a house for God. Ironically, God says, no, I will build you a house. It's here where God initiates the Davidic covenant. God promises to establish a royal dynasty for David that will last forever. This is God's commitment to fulfil the promise to Israel to have rest in the promised land and ultimately finds his fulfilment in the kingship of Christ who was born of the tribe of Judah and of the house of David. David shows kindness and compassion in seeking out Mophibosheth, who was the only remaining son of Jonathan. Here is a kindness that crosses enemy boundaries and keeping a lifelong promise. Who would be bothered to seek out a grandson of an enemy to show kindness to them? David did. Now, just as things start to settle for David... Suddenly, he's challenged again. You know, when we're not working or building God's kingdom, we need to ask ourselves this question, what are we doing with our time? You know, the old saying that idle hands are the devil's tools can't be further than the truth. The phrase expresses the idea that trouble arises from not keeping busy. Can I say it is dangerous to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. David's sin with Bathsheba happened simply because he was in the wrong place. It was springtime and he should have been out with his men in battle. It is important to keep busy for God. Instead, he was idle and fell into temptation. But it gets worse. David tries to cover his sin By ordering the army general to send Uzziah, who is Bathsheba's husband, to the front line and orchestrates his murder. Sadly, in a short lack of concentration, David falls to the sin of adultery and murder. (laughs) You know, we are all afflicted as human, sorry, we're all afflicted with our human nature. In Romans it says, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. What do we do when we fall? We need to confess our sin, just as David confessed his sin before God. David shows remorsefulness and expresses his heart and soul repentance in the writing of Psalm 51. If you get an opportunity, have a read of that. In 1 John chapter 1, and verse 9, it tells us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. David knew that only God can forgive sin, and we know this through his son Jesus. Yes, David's life was filled with many ups and downs. He failed God on many occasions. But in his heart, he trusted in a God that would love him and get him through the tough times. And David remained faithful and committed to God's character. So this morning, let me ask you again, where is your heart? Do you have, desi- do you have the desire to do God's will? Do you want to be involved in building God's kingdom? David lived differently in the face of adversity and David Wilson reminded us last week to be in the world but choose to live the way that Jesus lived. How are you living your life today? Let me conclude with this wonderful prayer of praise that David offers God. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10-13. to 13. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying this, and I'll say, I'll say this out as a prayer. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatest greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendour. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And all the people said, Amen. Thank you.